0: Good morning, everyone. So glad to see you. So glad to be with you. God is a good God. Amen. And he is greatly to be praised. Amen. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't know what you're going to do about it, but I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. Praise God. Well, this morning I got a message uh, for you. It's right in line with what Pastor Joel said. Uh, and Jamie have been talking about over the last little while, so I did not want to change course necessarily. Uh, it's actually, you know, one of our Bible courses that we taught at the church here at one time called Understanding Authority, and how many of you know it's important for us to understand authority? Because how many of you know that, uh, that that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is God's legislative Uh, building you could say on this earth what we say and what we do counts can you say amen when when the world is going nuts you know when they're out of control then guess what you know uh, we as the church we're going to have to take our God-given authority and put some things back in place can you agree with that amen I believe that would be very good so Uh, Of course, it's a Bible course. You know, these would be the objectives for the whole course. You know, I I trust you can understand that we're not able to put it all in into one service this morning. But we're going to give a good shot at it. Amen. Dear precious Father, I just thank you so much. For the Holy Spirit who is here. He is sent here to be our helper. You did not leave us helpless or leave us as orphans. But you have given us the mighty Holy Spirit. This morning he will lead and guide us into all truth. Amen. Thank you. He will show us things to come. He will show who Jesus is, who we are in him, and who we are in the church. And I thank you that we are living in a, in a day, in a time period that these truths will become more and more relevant to us as we gather and as we go towards the end or towards the finish line of the church. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So what we would like to accomplish at least, you know, to up to a degree is that you will be able to operate in great faith. If you had the choice between, you know, Jesus mentioned to a group of people, he said, how come you don't have any faith? How come you have no faith? Or he said, oh, ye of little faith. And then we have one example or actually two examples of people who were not in the covenant, so to speak. They were outside. They were foreigners. One of them is a Roman centurion. The other one was a Canaanite woman. We'll talk about the Roman centurion in just a few moments. They were, out, they were outside of the covenant. And they, uh, Jesus said of them, they had great faith. Now, if you had the choice between no faith, little faith, or great faith, which one would you choose? Great faith, I'm in the right group. (laughs) I'm in the right group. I would would opt to go for great faith. So we're going to find out that in order for us to operate in great faith. Good morning, Mom. Nice to see you. (laughs) In order for us to operate in great faith, it would mean that we have to understand authority. Does it make sense to you? All right, next, uh, what we like to accomplish praise God, is that you develop a conquering spirit. Amen. How many of you know that Jesus has a conquering spirit? Right? There's nothing mealy-mouthed about him. There's nothing weak about him. There is... Nothing, you know, that tells us that he's just barely making it. He is the Lord of the human race. Amen. And when he walked the earth, he had this conquering spirit, this conquering ability about him. The way that he talked, he talked like a conqueror. He still talks like a conqueror. Now, wouldn't it be God f- good for us to adopt the same thing? Amen. That we get rid of the weak-willed and the mealy-mouthed Christianity, well, you never know. You never know what God's going to do when he's given us his word so that we can know exactly what he is going to do. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Then the next thing is it will help us develop, if you understand authority, it will help you develop an effective prayer life. And I believe that would be very important. Did you know that one of the reasons that you are on the earth and have been recreated as the righteousness of God is so that God has a righteous voice on the earth. And that's what's needed, because we're living in a world, you know there's a lot of uh, wickedness being being broadcasted, being proclaimed. There's a lot of evil being uh, dis- distributed. on on all of the media networks and the social media. So this would be an ideal time for us as believers to stand up and give God a righteous voice. Amen. All right, last but not least... You know, if you understand authority, it'll, it's going to be very practical for you as well, you know, because you'll find out how to operate into, in daily life settings. You know, if you work for someone, it's good to understand authority. If you have people working for you, it's good to understand authority and how it all flows. Ingrid is here with me as well. If she comes up, ushers, you know, you know the drill. Don't you know, wrassle, hassle her. She's gonna come up. She's gonna help me. Praise the Lord. You got. You want to say something yet, or not yet? No. You. You're, no, that makes sense. So, having said that, let's talk about the Roman centurion because he would be one of the great examples who had understanding of authority. He, you know, he had great faith because he understood two things. He, number one, he recognized authority, and number two, he understood authority. He recognized authority, and not only did he recognize it, but he understood it as well. So I think it'd be it would be really good for us to read those scriptures, if you don't mind. Is Luke chapter one, verses uh, sorry Luke chapter seven, verses one through nine. You can also find it in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter eight. But I believe in Luke chapter seven. There's a few things that are brought out for us that I believe would be very helpful. Amen. So it reads like this. Now when he had ended. All his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly or eagerly saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loves our nation and has built us a a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them and when he was now not far from the house... The centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto you, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For, he said, I also am a man set... Now, notice what he says. I'm a man who's set under authority. He said, I'm a man who is also, not just, I'm a man set under authority. He also set under authority. With other words, he recognized that in Jesus. Amen. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Having under me soldiers, and I say unto one go, and he goes to another come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, He marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you... I hear a ring. Can somebody fix that? (laughs) He marveled at him and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And they who were sent returning to the house found the servant whole that had been sick. So let's analyze the story. Very interesting, isn't it? Because if you read the whole thing, then technically speaking, this Roman centurion never ever saw Jesus. He never ever met him. He had just heard of him. And because he had a servant who was ready to die, he thought, I'm going to have to approach him. Now, he's a Roman military man. And so he has to use some protocol. Right? He understands that not every Jewish person likes Roman people. And, uh, and on top of that, he's not just Roman. He's a military man as well. So uh, he has to use some protocol in order to approach Jesus. So what does he do? He doesn't go straight to Jesus but in order to uh, to go through the protocol, he went to some Jewish people, Jewish people that he had some dealings with in the past, and he told them, "You remember, guys, that I <laughs> that I built a synagogue for you because I love your nation." And, uh, you know, now I need your help because I've got a man back home and uh, he is sick. He is so sick that he's almost he's he's almost dead. Would you mind approaching Jesus for me? And then tell him uh, that I love the nation of Israel, tell him that I built the synagogue, and maybe he will come to my house so that 's what they did. They went to the to Jesus and they basically they interceded for him for the Roman centurion and for his sick servant. And when Jesus heard, you know, it makes it very clear, when Jesus heard that he loved the nation of Israel and built a synagogue for them, he went with them. So obviously this man must have heard that Jesus is on his way and he sent another group of people, he sent friends to him and said, don't even bother coming to my house. Don't even bother coming to my house because I'm not worthy that you should come to my house. I don't really think I'm worthy to come and see you. But, you know, just say in a word. You know, Matthew says, speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now, you know, that's a big statement, right? Because he didn't say, all I need, Jesus, is your presence. He said, I don't even need your presence. I don't even need your presence presence just give me the word and my servant shall be healed interesting isn't it for he said and then he goes on to explain he said for I also am a man under authority having soldiers under me I say to one go he goes come he comes do this and he does it so when Jesus heard it, the Bible tells us he marveled. Now the Gospels tell us in only two places that Jesus marveled at people. In this case, he marveled at the Roman centurion's great faith. In another instance, when he went to his own hometown, to his own, and his own people, he preached to his own people. And he marveled at what? At their unbelief. I don't know about you, but if I, again, if I have to make a choice, I would rather have Jesus marvel at my great faith than at my unbelief. How about you? Well, what do you have to do in order to have great faith? Just like the Roman centurion, you're going to have to be able to recognize authority and you have to be able to understand authority. He did not say I'm the guy in charge, you know, and I got so many people running for me all over the world, all over the place. He didn't say that. He said, I also am a man under authority. So he must have recognized that Jesus was under authority. Isn't that right? Obviously, there must have been some setting, some scenery, some, some, you know, he must have observed, just like other people did, that Jesus made sure that everyone knew he was under authority how many you know it's good to for us to be able to show that that you're under authority you're not just doing things on your own you don't just have your own agenda you don't have your own calendar necessarily but it'd be good for you and I to show to the world that we're under authority does that make sense to you well, uh, you can tell that there were people and there were instances that we can recognize that Jesus was also under authority. We can recognize it because, uh, because of what happened. Because whenever he would speak, then things began to happen. Isn't that right? <laughs> this Roman centurion obviously knew that he was under authority. The common people, they, they gladly heard him. The Bible tells us in Luke chapter 7 and verse 8, they gladly heard him because he talked different than the Pharisees because he was in authority. He had authority. Then sickness and disease, listen to him. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 39, we know of an instance that he spoke to Peter, Peter's mother-in-law and spoke to the fever, didn't he? And the fever left her. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he rebuked the fever. Now, the word to rebuke means to not allow to talk back. That's what it means to rebuke. Amen. Now, so that's we got to learn to operate that way, right? When you're dealing with sickness and disease or like in the next verse... Uh, demons and evil spirits in Luke chapter 4 and verse 35. The Bible says that Jesus rebuked the spirit and he came out of him. So obviously, (laughs) fevers, sickness and disease, demonic forces, they will listen when you rebuke them. That means you cannot allow them to talk back. Can you say amen? You can't allow them to talk back. So, that means that you're gonna have to uh, make up your mind. You're gonna have to be fully persuaded about some things, because if you're not, then you will let all these voices back in. Well, maybe it's not God's will that this happens. Maybe God has got a different plan in all of this. Maybe, uh, maybe I just gotta wait this thing out, or maybe. And there's a lot of maybes that people let in their minds. There's a lot of maybes that people let in their mind because they don't really know what the Bible says. And if you don't really know, then you can't really act on the legal side of your covenant. But how many of you know when Jesus spoke to the devil, he spoke to him, right? He didn't just think different thoughts, but he spoke to the devil. When the devil came, tempting him to change these loaves of bread or these stones into loaves of bread, he spoke to the, to the devil and said, man shall not live by bread alone. And it happened three different times. So uh, I submit to you that we need to learn to speak to the devil, right? You got to be able to speak to fear. You got to be able to speak to fevers, right? I found it very interesting that in the same way that Jesus talked to demonic forces, he talked to fevers, Isn't that? It's the same thing. It's the same word to uh, rebuke that is being used. I found it very interesting. That means this, that you have to have the same tenacity (laughs) when it comes to a fever as when it comes to an evil spirit. Now, I I bet you this, that when you would know that you're dealing with an evil spirit, you'd put up a fight. Isn't that right? So that same fight, you're going to have to develop in your spirit against fevers. But that's where the problem is. A lot of people would fight against the devil if they know it's a devil, but they would kind of, you know, take it easy on a fever. Well, you never know. It's just a little fever. I don't mind, you know, laying around with a 100-degree fever for a little while. It's, you know, it'll go, it'll go away by itself. No, no, no. <laughs> we got we to gotta learn to operate and be under authority because Jesus wouldn't operate that way. So if Jesus doesn't operate that way, you shouldn't operate that way either. Can I have an amen or a grunt? Amen. <laughs> amen. All right. So, uh, and then, of course, we know from, from the scriptures in Luke chapter 8 and verse 24 that he talked to the winds, right? He, he uh, or the winds and the storm and the sea, they obeyed him. The same word is being used again to rebuke, to rebuke. All right. So then the Pharisees, they also recognized Jesus' authority But they questioned it. Now, how many of you know it's okay to ask questions? But it's not okay for you to question everything. Asking questions is fine. I believe in asking questions. But I met a lot of people. They're not asking questions. They just question they question authority. They question all of these things. And, you know, maybe there ought to be a change in our, in our mind that's, that we learn to ask questions. nothing wrong with asking questions, but don't question authority. You know, ask questions. That's a good place to, to start for us. It tells us here in Mark chapter 11, verses 27 through 33, it says, And they come again to Jerusalem. That's Jesus and his disciples. And as he was walking in the temple, there come to him the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And they said unto him, notice what they asked him. By what authority do you do these things? And who gave you this authority to do these things? So they asked him two questions. What authority, what kind or what type of authority are you using? And who's the source behind this? Fair questions, in a way, aren't they? <laughs> but it's not that they wanted to have an answer. They, just, they were questioning. Because if you keep reading. And Jesus answered and said unto them, I will ask of you one question. He said, I'm going to answer your two questions with one question. That's a good way to sometimes operate. Right? When people begin to question you, just ask them a question. Right? And answer their questions which is one question. Jesus answered, he said unto them, I will ask of you one question, answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of of men? And they reasoned with themselves saying, well, if we shall say from heaven... Then he'll say, why then did you not believe him? But if we shall say of men, they feared the people, for all men counted John, that he was a prophet indeed. So they answered and said unto Jesus, we can't tell. And Jesus answering said unto them, neither do I tell you by what authority I do these things. So if you're not going to tell me, I'm not going to tell you because you're not really interested. It's a good way to operate, right? Sometimes people ask you questions they 're not really interested. they just want to question you yeah. <laughs> Amen. But I do believe it would be really good for us to do to answer those questions What authority by what authority, what kind of authority do you do these things? so that brings me to a whole list of things that we 're not going to go into all of them, but i 'll just give you give you a quick rundown of the different types of authority there's spiritual authority such as the sovereignty of God and that's the one we're going to deal with this morning is it okay to to kick over some sacred cows this morning <laughs> amen that's what my wife is really good at she's been she asks questions all the time praise the lord in a in a very good way about sovereignty such as You know, like we always think that God is in charge of everything. We're going to find out he's not. Because if he was in charge of everything, I tell you what, he's got the world in a huge mess. (laughs) Amen. People ask the question, why are there wars? Why is there hunger? Why are people going through what they're going through? And, you know, while God has some mysterious way, but ultimately we'll find out, you know, that he is in charge. He is still on the throne. Right? Well, that may be true, but that's like saying, well, the grass is green and the sky is blue. But it doesn't change anything. Just knowing that God is in charge does not change anything in your life. Did you know that? It's kind of nice to know that, but it would help you and I what it means that God is sovereign. What does that mean? Well, we're going to find that out in just a few moments. I just want to get you ready to, th- to put your thinking caps on and to uh, walk along with me here. The second one, the second type of spiritual authority is truth. How many of you know truth is amazing, right? How many of you know that when you have the truth, when you stand in the truth, it really doesn't matter what's going on around you. You know who you are in Christ, Amen. In Christ, like all of the truths, or you could say it this way, all of the realities in Christ are so much higher than all of the truths or the realities that you experience in this life in Adam. Amen. You shall know the truth, or actually Jesus said it this way, if you continue. Now, those are three big words because a lot of people don't. They quit. But. If you continue, Jesus said, in my words, then you shall be my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will absolutely make you free. That's the great thing about freedom. Now, it's, or uh, truth, It it will make you free. When you have the truth, you can stand on it. And everything around you may be wavering, everything around you may be sinking, but you're standing on the truth. And the truth, you don't have to uh, make it stand, it will cause you to stand. It doesn't need your volume, it does not need your characteristics, it does not need your personality to make it true, it will hold you up by itself. Amen. Now, the interesting thing about truth is it takes a little while for it to come out, right, in 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 many ways. We're sometimes dealing with lies, right? And it seems to me that, that a lie can travel around the world ten times before the truth is even able to put its shoes on, <laughs> right? So that's what we are dealing with. We are dealing with propaganda all the time. We're dealing with a bunch of things out there that are... Uh, Giving you misinformation, disinformation, plain lies. Amen. So you're going to have to be someone who stands up for the truth. And the truth, you're going to have to find it. Amen. It's not something that will just fall on you. If you want the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, (laughs) you're going to have to fight for it. Are you out there? All right. Okay, so, and then the last form of spiritual uh, authority would be your conscience. That's kind of the voice of your spirit. How many of you know that you have, especially if you're born again, since you're born again, you're, your spirit has a voice. The Holy Spirit has a voice, but your spirit has a righteous voice as well. So, if you begin to listen to your spirit, you'll do well. Amen. Trust in the Lord, the Bible says. With all your understanding and lean not to your own heart. Is that what it says? No. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's your spirit. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Now, I don't know about you, but I know many people. I've done it my own self. You know, you know something in your spirit, but ah, it just doesn't seem right. It just doesn't seem right. You know, what you what you're dealing with around you, the circumstances seem to be just so so there's just so much pressure there that you quit listening to your spirit and you compromise and you yield to your mind and you wind up with the wrong thing. And then you say, I should have listened to myself. Isn't that right? Because, you know, things, you know, things that that the world cannot, cannot give you. Then there's practical authority. I don't want to get into that. That's not, I, I can't, you know, for time's sake. But there's delegated authority. How many of you know, we, you and I are dealing with delegated authority every day, right? That's how it all began when God gave dominion to Adam and Eve or to Adam. He said, you know, let them have dom- dominion over the earth. He delegated his authority to Adam and Eve, when Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, he, what did he say? He said, all authority has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. Now, did he take that authority with him to heaven? No, no he delegated his authority to the church. Because the next verse he says, therefore, You go, and in my name, you cast out devils. In my name, you speak with new tongues. In my name, you will be able to take in any poisonous, any deadly thing. It's not going to hurt you. Amen. In my name, you shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So he delegated his authority to the church, which is you and I. So that's your job description. To go out into all the world, preach the gospel, and do these things in his name. Because that authority has been delegated unto you. You don't have to pray, Lord, do you want me to go? Because that's already been given to us. I found that so many people are praying about what God has already told them to to do. Now, you can pray, but your prayer ought to be something like, Lord, where do you want me to go? (laughs) And what do you want me to say? Amen. Amen. All right, so there's delegated authority, there's functional authority, if you've got a set of skills that gives you authority in that area, isn't that, isn't that right? Then there is also uh, positional authority, and there are customs and uh, tr- traditions that we have to be knowledgeable about as well. You can't just go into a different culture and change their customs, amen? Amen. It just doesn't work. I mean, you wouldn't like it, like it either if people from different nations come and they tell you we're going we're gonna to do things different from, from now on. <laughs> you wouldn't like that either. So you have to be conscious, conscientious of all those things. So here we're going to go. Understanding sovereignty. Just about the time and we have to close now. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding sovereignty. Sovereignty, I just needed to take a run at it to you know, give you an idea that when you talk about the sovereignty of God, you're really talking about understanding authority and how it flows. Because, again, if you want to be a person like the Roman centurion of great faith, then you, you and I have to understand authority. Well, real simple, uh, God gave man authority. Isn't that right? Genesis chapter 1 Verse 26, I believe it is, is, you know, let us make man in our our image and let them, plural, let them Adam and Eve. But they were one at, at the time. They were called Adam at the time. Let them have dominion over the earth. So that hasn't changed, right? That hasn't changed. So when you give someone authority... When God gave his authority over the earth to Adam and Eve, let me ask you this question. Is God sovereign in that area? No. <laughs> no, he's not. When I give when I give the keys to my car, to my son Eric, right, and said and I tell him, Okay, Eric, you know, here's the keys to my car and uh, you know, do whatever you need need to do with my vehicle. So am I in charge of that vehicle at that moment? No. If he ditches it, if he ditches it, it's because he did it. Right? It, you know, and he may say, Well, yeah, but you allowed it to happen because you gave me the key. Well, that may be that may be a, a reasoning, but when it's all said and done, it's Eric who ditched the car. Isn't that right? I mean, I did allow it to happen, but it's not because I wanted to. (laughs) It's just because I gave him the keys. How many of you know, you got a bunch of keys. Isn't that right? You've been not just given the keys to the kingdom just to get in. You've been given the keys of the kingdom. With other words, once you're in, there's a lot of other doors that you can open up as well. with the keys, a lot of people don't even know they have a key. Have you ever, you know, I've got a bunch of keys at my house. I don't know what they're for, (laughs) but they're all they're all there. They're in a in a little box, and every once in a while, when we, you know, when we need to open up a door and we don't know where the key is, we go through the whole box and try them all out. (laughs) So it'd be helpful to know what the keys are for. Secondly, we know this, that after God gave man authority, what happened? He fell. Adam sinned, didn't he? But by doing so, he didn't just do something bad or he didn't just do something wrong. I mean, that's bad enough. But he, what he did is by doing so, he gave his authority to the devil. And from that moment on, after Adam sinned, from that moment on, it's the devil who has exercised a lot of authority on this earth right second Corinthians four uh, chapter four and verse four tells us that that the devil Satan is the god of this world system he's the god of, of this world now that does not mean he's the, he's the god of this world world the resources are, but he's the god of this world system amen and if people listen to him then they do have sometimes access to the wealth and to the resources of that earth of what we have on this on this earth that's why it's so important for you and I as believers to take that authority back amen so that the wealth of the wicked comes back into our hands yeah i see somebody waving on waving on the wealth yes come on in it's ours it belongs to the church. Can you say amen? If you can't say amen, say oh me. It's so anyhow. <laughs> amen. Adam fell and he yielded his authority to the devil. When, when he tempted Jesus, he took him to a high mountain and he showed him in one moment all the kingdoms of this world and the glory of them. For he said, they have been handed to me. So if you worship me one, just one, just one, just one, just one. One time, just once, one time, one time. I'll just need you to worship me one time. You can have the whole thing. After all, I know that's what you, that's why you came. You didn't just come only for the individual, but you came for the nations. I'll give them to you, but you're going to have to worship me. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't fall for it? It was a shortcut. It was a shortcut for him To get what he is going to eventually get anyway. Now we're not at that place yet. We're still at the place where we are taking individuals out of the kingdoms, out of the nations to become a new holy nation. That's the gospel of our salvation. But there's a time coming, and we're getting close to it, that the end time of the church is here. The church is going to move to heaven. We're going to operate from heaven for a little while from a, with a new vantage point, so to speak. And it's at that time that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So he took the long way around, but it's God's way. How many of you know that the devil will always offer you a shortcut? But sometimes you're going to have to be patient enough and stick with the plan. Go with God in order for you to get all of the benefits that come along with it. All right. So then after man fell and Satan, you know, took the keys, so to speak, then Jesus came, he defeated the devil, right? And he said, all power has been given, but you said that all power has been given unto me, both in heaven and on earth. Therefore, you go. He also said, I have the keys of hell and of death. Who? he's got the keys. Isn't, isn't that right? So he took it back from Satan. Now, Satan does not have any authority unless he can trick you into thinking that. Right, And that's what he does because Jesus took the authority away from him and he gave it to you and I. So the only authority that the devil has, if he can deceive you into giving up your authority, amen, and then he will use your authority against yourself. That's how he functions. So wouldn't it be good for us to know how it works so that we can use our authority on purpose, and put him where he belongs under our feet. the only thing that the devil should know about you is your shoe size. <laughs> That's all he should know about you all right so and um, so obviously, then last but not least in this, upon uh, com- completion of the plan of redemption, Jesus will give back the authority to God. if you look with me to 1st Corinthians chapter 15 27 28 I've added everything that's in brackets I've added to it just to clarify some things it says for he that's God has put all things under his Jesus feet but when he God says all things are put under him Jesus it is manifest or it's clear that he God is ex is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, that's Jesus, then shall the Son also himself be made subject unto him, God, that put all things under him, Jesus, that God may be all in all. So there's a time coming. There's a time coming that all things will go back to the Father God. But in the meantime, and I didn't mention that, but let me go back there really quick. But in the meantime... Um, You can say this, that that all authority has been given to our Lord Jesus Christ, who has delegated that authority to us as the church. And when the time comes when all things have been placed under his feet, amen, which is really our feet, because... How many of you know that Jesus' feet are not sticking out of his neck? They're sticking out of his body, which is us, the body of Christ. You're his feet. He's the head of the body, but we're the rest of the body. Does that make sense? So the feet, even, even if you are the little toenail on the little toe of your left foot, you have authority over Satan. And all of his cords over the powers of darkness. If you say, well, I don't really amount to too much. As long (laughs) as you are in the kingdom of light, in the kingdom of God. I believe it was just said this morning, even who has taken us out. Thanks be to God who has taken us out of the kingdom of darkness. And has placed us in the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of light. That's where we are. So it really doesn't matter where you are or how you think or what you feel about yourself. As long as you know this, that you are a believer, you're born again, you immediately have authority over Satan. Amen. Just by virtue of the new birth, because you are born again, that makes you stronger than sin. Amen. It makes you stronger than sickness and disease. It makes you stronger than fear intimidation makes you stronger than the antichrist he's got no say <laughs> as long as the church is here it makes you stronger than the devil himself amen, amen. would like like to come up okay here comes my wife with something practical <laughs> amen always helpful
1: Um, We haven't really talked too much uh, about coordinating this yet, because I have been taking care of the two littlest from Joel and Jamie, and so we've been apart. Yes. But we've been married for a while, so we should be okay. Oh,
0: yeah, we'll be okay. (laughs) Um,
1: I just want to talk about, like, how... Oh, you want me to go back? Well, sovereignty. Like, so how does that work for us in my life? Like... So I have a pair of black pants on, a pair of brown shoes. Like, did God choose that for me, or do I have free will? <laughs> right? So, yes. and that's an easy thing. But then there's other decisions that you make, like about war, or about anger, or about um, mistreating somebody. Whose problem is that? Like, did God say, okay, now this is what's going to happen. I want you to, I'm going to just say it. I want you, you go rape this person. Is that what God's plan is? No. 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 Do you have a choice? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to read this, Deuteronomy 30. Can I go this way? Oh, please do. Yeah, okay. Out of the um, Good News translation, it's so simple. Today I'm giving you a choice between good and evil, between life and death. If if you obey the commands of the Lord your God, which I give you today, if you love Him, obey Him, and keep all His laws, then you will prosper and become a nation of many people. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are about to occupy. Like we sang this morning, the land I'm living in. But if... You disobey and refuse to listen and are led away to worship other gods, you will be destroyed. I warn you here and now, you will not live long in that land across the Jordan that you are about to occupy. I am now giving you the choice between life and death, between God's blessing and God's curse, and I call heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. And then he says, he's given us a little bit of advice, choose life.
0: Yeah. Just in case. <laughs> just in case you weren't <laughs> sure,
1: choose life. I, I think, man, God, that you're so, it's so simple here. And I just want to read one more scripture, Revelation 3, verse 20. Mm. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Like, that's so simple. Yeah, if. If.
0: Yeah. So you got to make a choice. So
1: you got to make a choice.
0: Yes. It's not like he's not going to come in and knock the door down.
1: So what about <laughs> if someone says, oh, my child died, but God needs him in heaven yeah. for a choir?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, people say that, right? Well,
0: people say those so things. What, so what, yeah. ab-
1: what do you do with that?
0: Well, you can't do anything with that because it's, it's not the truth. It's not the truth. God is not interested in, in doing that.
1: Yeah. Like Amen. when Jesus said, um, this is the Lord's Prayer... Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what does heaven look like? Is there crime in heaven? Like the crime rate is zero. Hunger, sickness, disease, mistreatment of anybody. No. And why is that? Because God's in charge there. Here, men are in charge. And we've given it over to the devil. And so now it's a mess here. Except for when you choose life, right? When you choose Him, then your world and those you can influence have a whole new chance. Like He never left us destitute. And I'm so thankful for that. So we can stand in His authority and live the life that He wants us to live.
0: Yeah, amen. Well, I, some of it, like some of the things that you're saying, makes it very clear that there's a place where he is sovereign. He is sovereign in his own territory, which is heaven. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens are, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. So we have no charge in heaven. You can't go up in heaven and tell Jesus that we're going to rearrange the furniture here. You know, I'm not really too impressed here. You know, I mean, you don't have any say so there, but you do have say so on this earth. Amen. As a matter of fact, you know, uh, we will probably, I don't know if we have time for all of this, but just in case, you know, it, it comes up now. Why, why else would God look for covenant partners? Right, like he went to Abraham and he, he talked to himself. He said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I'm about to do? And he's talking literally about Sodom, right, that he's going to overthrow those cities. Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I'm about to do, seeing he will be a, a father of many nations, and of course, the answer would be no, because Abraham is a covenant partner. It's the same thing as when you are in your own business, right? Maybe you've done well in your own business. But now, uh, in order to make, make your business better, and in order for you to expand your business, you get a partner. Well, you can, you can no longer act on your own accord. Like you like you're used to, you're going to have to check with your partner. So God created some partners. He made Abraham his partner. So he went to Abraham and he said, you know, uh, I'm just about to go to Sodom to see, to make sure that what I've heard is the truth. And, uh, you know, and he knows, Abraham knows that those cities are going to be, be overthrown. So Abraham is, is no dummy. He knows that his nephew Lot lives in that city, right? So he said, well, Lord, you know, that doesn't seem right. You know, you're know, you not the type of a person who would kill the wicked with the righteous or the righteous with the wicked. If, there may be, if there's maybe 50 people in that city, would you overthrow that city for 50's sake? God said, well, no, I won't. No, I won't. So obviously God is not interested. He was not interested in overthrowing the city. You know why? He would rather save it. Yes. Right? But he needs someone on this earth to work with him. So he's found Abraham to work with him. Abraham being Jewish, he went from 50 to 40, to 30, (laughs) to 20. And then he said, what about 10? Well, what about 10? If there are five or if there are 10 people who are righteous, will you overthrow the city? God said no. And that's where he quit. If he would have gone one step further, would you save the city for Lot's sake? God, based on the track record that we have, he would have said yes. But Abraham stopped at ten. There were less than ten people, so God had to overthrow the cities. He still got Lot out though. Didn't he? He still got Lot and his family out. Praise the Lord. Amen. What about Moses? God how many of you know that the nation of Israel really ticked off God one time? Not just one time, but this this one time. He was God was upset. The King James says wrath, but that's really English for, you know, he was upset. He was really upset. He said to Moses, leave me alone. With other words, uh, let me do something on my own. I don't want to think about our partnership at this moment. That's how mad I am. (laughs) Leave me alone and I'm going to slay, I'm going to kill these people as one man. That's how mad he was. What did Moses do? If he was a modern day Christian, he'd be like, yuck. You think, this is bad. I've been dealing with these people for the last 40 years. Go ahead. Have, have at it. Slay them all. Go ahead and kill them all, and you can start over with me. That's what modern-day Christians would have said, but not Moses. He stood in God's face. He said, You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't do that. I'm paraphrasing because the people are going to find out it's going to be on, on, on the 6 o'clock news, and we're going to look bad. If you do that, that would mean, you know, you, the people will begin to say that you were not able to take your people out of Egypt into the promised land. That's not, that's not going to fly. Remember, he said, your covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you know what the Bible says? God repented. What? I thought we need to repent. And this time God repented of what he was thinking about doing. That's in the Bible. <laughs> Amen. It's in the Bible. He had Moses. He had Abraham. Praise God. He's got you and I to to make some changes on this earth. How many of you know that when you use your voice of authority, and I'm not talking about necessarily a loud voice. You can do that. That's fine. But how many of you know, uh, if you know who you are, if you know where you are seated, seated in heavenly places? Oh, that's where you are. You're seated when Jesus was raised from the dead and he was uh, raised to the heavenlies and sat on the right hand of God. You went with him. That's where you are seated. That's a place of authority. Amen. That's a place of authority. Meaning what you say counts. What you say in the throne room of grace about our government counts. What you say in the throne room of grace about the situation that you're in, that's what counts. Amen.
1: I love that because God is all, like He's all-knowing, right? He's all-powerful. That doesn't take any of His power away, no, no. but in His all-knowing, He gave us free will. Yeah. So that's how He set it up. and. So I think if we take our spot, then we, get, we have so much authority over all those things that Jesus showed us in the Gospels. Yeah.
0: yeah, amen. So this is the Bible definition of sovereignty. God is omnipotent. I'm sure you've heard that, right? That means He is all-powerful. But He has limited Himself. I didn't limit Him. He limited Himself. You didn't limit Him. He limited, he limited Himself in the right to use His power. We want to give a few. Let me give you a few examples here. It goes too quick. Am I right here? Number one. The Bible tells us God cannot lie. That doesn't mean he hasn't got the ability to. He could. But he's made the choice to not do that to you. He can't lie. He has limited himself that he can't lie. Meaning he's going to keep his covenant. Yes. Yes. Amen. That's really what it means. I'm not talking about a little white lie or anything like that. We're, we're talking about big stuff. Well, he wouldn't give you a white lie either. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right? He, he won't lie. But really in the context, this means he's not going to break his covenant with you. He cannot lie. He's bound himself to his word. Isn't that right? Does that make sense to you? Secondly, God will not go outside of the covenants that He has made. Psalm 89 and verse 34, He says that the covenant that I have made, I will not alter. So He's going to stick with it. So if He has made a promise to you, He's going to keep it. That's why we can say all the promises of God are yes and amen. It's something that you can have faith in. Does that make sense to you? He can't lie. He has limited himself in that area. He's not going to lie. But he will not violate your words, your will, or your choice either. He won't. If you say, well, that's not going to fly, then he's going to go along with you. Right? We have many, many examples like that. The 12 spies, right? They came back. Uh, 10 of the 12 said, you know, yeah, God, what God said is true. We are going into the promised land. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. But, and whatever comes after the but annuls, takes away all the power of what God had said. But we can't go in. We can't go in because there are giants there. Well, what did God do? Okay, if that's how you feel about it, that's what's going to happen. You're going to be here for another 40 years. Was it God's will? No. It was His will that they would go from Egypt to the promised land in, a, in about 11 days. It's an 11-day walk. <laughs> it's not very far that way. Amen. But it took him 40 years. Was it God's will? No. But it's because he has to work with people. So wouldn't it be good. then, Rather than you know, using our words against him. That we begin to agree with him. That we, you and I become God, yes men, yes women. Amen. Last but not least, the Bible says this, and I'm going to close with this. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. That's how we usually quote it, or that's how I used to quote it. He's, God is able, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. But, there's a little comma, (laughs) and then it says, according to. Amen. According to, that means to the degree that you are performing this. According to the power that works in us. Wouldn't it be nice if he would be able to do everything according to how we ask or even think, and that would be the end of it? No, it's going to be done according to the power that's working within us. So wouldn't it be good for us to develop that power within us? Amen. It's the Holy Ghost power. It's word power. Can you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand up.